All right, so today we are uh, continuing in our series, uh, How to Improve Your Life in uh, 2017. And uh, as we have noted and had some fun around this idea that it's the 51st Super Bowl, today's encouragement is uh, one that I think also connects to uh, football and the Super Bowl uh, pretty well. And so today's encouragement on improving our lives this year is to dream big and to persevere. You know, at the start of every NFL season, uh, every team in the NFL starts out with the hope, the dream of playing in the Super Bowl. Well, there is one that doesn't start out with that hope and dream, that's the Browns, but every other team uh, at least starts out the year with the hope of being able to play in the Super Bowl. You know, even for the best teams in the NFL, it's a big dream because a lot of things have to go right for the dream to come about, for it to become a reality. A lot of things uh, conspire throughout a year, throughout a season, to derail the dream of each of these NFL teams. Key players get hurt, unlucky breaks happen, bad calls by the officials uh, cost a team an important game. Players go through slumps. Uh, Team chemistry, for some reason or other, goes through a rough patch. There is always adversity that has to be overcome for a team to realize their goal of playing in and winning the Super Bowl. Dreams are really important. You know, without a dream, without a vision of what they want to accomplish and a plan to get there, it's just not going to happen for the teams. It's just not the case that teams just stumble into the Super Bowl, that, you know, just by dumb luck, they end up in the Super Bowl. They they have a dream. They, They act on the dream. And people also don't get to the Super Bowl, teams don't get to the Super Bowl without perseverance through difficulty. If they're not able to persevere through some difficult times, it's just not going to happen for them. If a team cannot stand strong and focused, even when trouble comes their way, then the dream's not going to be realized. There has got to be a dream that drives the players to practice and to work out and to study the playbook. And there's got to be a dream that drives coaches to plan and to to scheme and to mold their team into what they envisioned it could be. In addition to a dream and a plan, there's got to be perseverance because no goals in life are ever achieved easily. Fulfilled dreams always lie at the end of a very difficult path. You know, too many people wander aimlessly through life never bothering to really think about what they want to accomplish in life, never allowing themselves to actually embrace a dream and work toward the dream. And so they get up every morning and they go to work to earn a paycheck, to go home and eat a bowl of soup and then watch a little TV before falling in bed for the night and then getting up and doing the same thing the next day. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. They're they're all perfectly fine things, but If that's all that life is to someone, if there's nothing beyond that, nothing bigger than that that drives someone, it's really an unfortunate thing. And life becomes sort of monotonous. And when that happens, people start to question, what's it all about? And why am I here? And they tend to get a little discouraged with life. No doubt you've met people who just seemed aimless, not operating out of any sense of purpose in their lives. And maybe if we were to, you know, be able to see inside of each of our minds, our hearts, 
Uh, maybe we would find that there are some people here today who are doing a pretty good job of covering it up, but, but in your own life, you're really kind of living that life right now. You're living an aimless, purposeless life, just kind of wandering through and stumbling through and not really sure where you're going or uh, what you're supposed to be doing. And that is a difficult place to live. And so to improve your life this year, I want to encourage all of us that you need to have a dream. You know, there might be some of us here today who have never really had a dream for our lives. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to seek after one, to, to, to desire to have one, and to, to begin to open yourself up to the question of, uh, of what is my dream for life? What should my dream for life be? Some of us here today probably used to have big dreams, but life beat you up a little bit, beat you up a lot, to the point where you eventually let go of the dream. You just got discouraged because you weren't seeing any progress toward the completion of the dream, and so you laid it aside. And if that's true, I hope that some folks in that situation today might pick their dream back up. Maybe some of us had a dream, but it wasn't a realistic dream. You know, when I say dream big, I'm not saying dream irrational dreams. That's not what I'm saying. You know, if if you're five foot five inches tall as a grown man and you can't dribble a basketball and you can't ever shoot a basketball into the the little hoop there, you're not going to play in the NBA, no matter how much you dream about it. You're just not. So maybe you had a dream, but it wasn't realistic. Here's something to know about God-given dreams. God-given dreams are realistic. Now, they'll stretch you, and God-given dreams will require God's strength for the dream to be fulfilled, but God-given dreams are always dreams that are achievable for you. So if you had a dream, but it wasn't a God-given dream, I'm hoping that maybe today God will impart a dream for your life to you, or at least you'll begin to seek your God-given dream. Our lives improve when we have a dream, when we have a vision for our lives. Having a dream is what gets us out of bed in the morning. Having a dream, a vision for a preferred future is what gets us moving and working. Dreams, if they really capture our hearts, they fill us with passion and energy. And so we all need a dream. We need a vision for our lives. And we need our dream to be God-given. So how do we get a God-given dream for our lives? How can we know that a dream that maybe we already have is God-given? Well, Scripture guides us in this, and I want to share a few things with you from the Scriptures about that. And here's the first one. It's very profound. I, I hope that you are ready for the profundity that I'm about to drop on you. If you need a God-given dream, you need to ask God for it. Pretty profound, huh? You need to ask God for it. It's a simple enough thought. But how many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have gone through life without ever stopping to say, God, what is it you want me to do? Not what do I think I'm supposed to do? Not, you know, just kind of where's the wind blowing me these days? But God, what do you want me to do? If you recognize the need for a dream, you need to ask God, and God will give you an answer. 
Here's what Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 say, and I'm using the New Living Translation today. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. And then Psalm 37, 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. What should I do with my life? What is my personal mission in life? What vision will I have for my life? These are big life questions we all ought to ask, and they are a part of the every detail that God cares about. When we ask God, what do you want me to do with my life? God, what am I supposed to accomplish? Scripture assures us that God will show us which path to take. And so if you want to find your God-given dream, ask him for it. He will answer you. He will place a dream in your heart. God will give you a vision of the future that he wants for you. And when he does that, then we come to the next biblical counsel we find. When, When God gives us a dream, then we need to believe that God can bring about the dream that he has given us. We need to believe that what God calls us to do, God will then empower us to accomplish. Ephesians 3, chapter 20 say, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. God can do more with us than we think he can if we'll accept his vision, his dream for our lives. Again, I don't think this is uh, encouraging us to think or embrace irrational dreams, but what it does teach us is that our dreams that come from God are going to be big enough that we require God's help to see them accomplished. You need a big enough dream in your life that God's got to help you get there. It's got to be something that's beyond just your own ability to do. Genesis 18.14 is set in the context of God telling Sarah and Abraham, who were past childbearing age, that they would have a child. Sarah had her doubts, as you know, if you're familiar with the story, and she voiced those doubts. And so in responding to her doubts, God asked a question. It's a rhetorical question. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the answer, of course, is no, it's not. And so we ask God to give us a dream for our lives, and then we have faith in God that he'll empower us to accomplish the dream. And because he's given it to us, and because we believe he'll empower us to do it, then the next thing we do is we embrace the dream that God has given us. Now, here in a few minutes, we're going to talk uh, about Joseph and the dream that God gave him for his life. And if you're familiar with the story of Joseph, you know that Joseph embraced the dream that God gave him. He he grabbed hold of it, and he told his entire family about it. And people have questioned his wisdom in doing that. I don't, but some do. But Joseph embraced his God-given dream. And when God gives us a dream for our lives, when he shows us a preferred future for our lives... He wants us then to embrace the dream that he has given us. Some of us here today, I think God has clearly communicated to you a a dream for your life, but you have been resisting it. 
He might have placed a dream in your heart to start a business. He might have placed a dream in your heart to start a ministry. He might have placed a dream in your heart to go back to school, to become a teacher or a lawyer or a professor. It could be anything. But God has clearly communicated something to you that he wants from your life, and you have been resisting it. We have to embrace the dreams that God gives us for our lives. Joseph embraced the dream that God gave him. Uh, God gave David a vision of killing Goliath in the Old Testament, if you remember that story. But he had to embrace that vision instead of cowering in fear like the rest of the Israelite army. He He had to not only receive the dream, believe God could do it, but he had to embrace it and then act on it. God gave Peter a vision of Uh, The fact that he was supposed to accept the Gentiles, but then Peter had to go out and he had to embrace that vision. God will give us a vision for our lives. And when he does, he expects us to embrace the vision. Embrace your God-given vision. Commit to it. It's one of my appeals to all of us here today. So we ask God to give us a dream, a vision. We believe that he can bring it about. We embrace it. And then the fourth important thing uh, for getting God's dream for our lives is we have to realize that a God-given dream will be connected to God's plan for the world. When God gives you a dream for your life, it will always be connected to what God is doing in the world, what his purposes are, his redemptive purposes Mark 8.35 says this, it was Jesus talking to people who were interested in becoming his followers, and he said, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you'll save it. What he's letting those people then that wanted to follow him and what he's letting all of us now that want to or say we're following him know is that if we are going to follow him, Our entire lives become about him and his good news. Our entire lives are about him and what he's doing in the world, his purposes in the earth. And of course, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 has been understood by Christians for the past 2,000 years as a mission for every single one of us who call Christ Savior and Lord, this isn't just the mission for those of us who are in, uh, you know, uh, church jobs, you know, ministry vocations. No matter what any of our vocations are, all of us believers in Christ, our lives, our purpose in life is about Him and the good news. That's what Scripture tells us. We're not just on the earth to make money, though. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not here just to provide a nice life for our families, though that's a great thing to do. We're not here just to climb the corporate ladder, though that is a wonderful thing to do if that's God's plan for your life. Every one of us, whether we're an attorney or a teacher or a truck driver or a doctor or a salesperson or a full-time mom or a full-time student or a photographer or a business owner, every single one of us who call Christ Savior and Lord our God-given dreams will be connected to God's plan for the world. You're never going to be satisfied with a dream to simply get more money or advance up the corporate ladder or run a really good business until you find out how that thing that God has called you to connects to what God 
is doing in the world. In every part of society, every sphere of society, Christians are here to be ambassadors for Christ. So no matter what our individual callings, it is only when we see how they fit with God's purpose in the world that our hearts are set on fire, that we really find passion and we really get revved up about our God-given dream. Some of you here are really good at making money. Others of us are not. Some of you are. But maybe you found it unfulfilling. Could it be it's because you failed to realize that God gave you that ability because he wanted you to work not just to grow your own bank account, though there's nothing wrong with that, but he gave you the ability to make a lot of money so that you could fund international missions work, so that you could resource a food pantry, so that you could set up a scholarship fund, so that you could provide seed money for other entrepreneurs who have the same vision you do to fuel God's purposes in the world. God might be calling you to go back to school and get your PhD, not for the prestige that's attached to that, but so that you're qualified to teach at the university level. And you'll be able to influence young people at the universities who desperately need godly and sane influences. It isn't just church careers that God directs. God calls every single one of us into our careers and into every endeavor in life for a purpose, for his purpose in the world. And so all of our dreams, all of our God-given dreams will be connected to God's plan for the world, God's redemptive purposes in the world. And so you find your God-given dream by asking him for it, by believing he can bring it about, by embracing it, and by knowing how it connects to his work in the world. And once you have your dream and once you've embraced it, you need to be a little audacious about it. You need to put some audacity to work regarding your dream. Rick Warren, who I view as a real gift to the body of Christ, defines audacity this way. The courage to think big, to show initiative, and to take risk for a dream while facing the possibility of failure. In the book of Genesis, it starts in the 37th chapter. We're not going to turn there, but you might want to read the story this week. Uh, we find the story of Joseph, of Joseph and the coat of many colors fame. And young Joseph had a couple of dreams. In the first dream, he's out in the fields with his family and he's binding up uh, these bundles of grain, when suddenly his bundle stands up and all of their bundles bow down to his. And then in the second dream, he saw the sun, the moon, and 11 stars, and they all bowed down to him. In case you're not familiar with the story, he had 11 brothers. And so his family immediately understood the significance of the dream. The, the dream said that his family were going to bow down to him, that he was going to rule over his family. And of course, the family didn't care for that dream. The, the brothers objected, and they did more than object, but even his dad scolded him for the dream. Now, I don't believe that Joseph had a clear understanding of all that the dream foretold, 
But I do believe that he knew God was showing him something of significance for his future. I do believe he knew that God, even though he may not have understood it all, God was giving him a picture of a dream for his life. And he embraced the dreams. He showed some audacity by sharing the dreams with his family. Now, now people have almost always, throughout, throughout almost every time I've ever heard this story talked about, people talk about how unwise Joseph was and how immature he was. And he may have been those things, but, but I don't actually agree that that's what was going on here. I believe Joseph was understandably excited because he had received a dream for his life that was from God. And so he did what you ought to be able to do. He shared it with the people he was the closest to. He shared it with the people he loved and that loved him, his family, at least should have loved him. And that's what he did. He, he shared the dream. Instead of being scolded about his dream, his family should have been less easily offended and they should have helped young Joseph process the dream figure out its meaning, encourage him to be open to God fleshing out the details of the dream. You know, they could have kindly said, you know, we're not quite as excited about it as you are with all this bowing down stuff you have going on, but we still want to help you, Joseph, process your dream. I want to encourage you that when you ask God for a dream and he gives you one, when you believe that he can do it and you embrace the dream, then be audacious about it. Be willing to have the courage to think big, to show initiative, to take risk, even though every dream comes with the chance that you're going to fail. I want to encourage you to share your dream. You may not want to share it with everyone, but there should be some key people in your life that you share your dream with. And hopefully they won't act like Jacob's family, or Joseph's family, I'm sorry, but even if they do, that's just part of what we're going to talk about next, which is perseverance. But share your dream. Rick Warren shares three benefits for sharing our dreams. The first one is that when you go public with your dream, it makes you accountable for the dream. It kind of gets you off the starting blocks. It, it gets you moving. As long as you keep the dream private, it's easy to let yourself off the hook for ever doing anything about the dream. And then it's just a daydream. It's not actually a dream. Second, when you share the dream, it tends to attract support from other people. Sharing the dream opens up doors of opportunity for the fulfillment of the dream. Even in Joseph's case, when those who should have supported him didn't, and in fact, his brothers turned against him and sinned against him in a variety of ways, but even their actions actually uh, led him toward the fulfillment of the dream. So even though it's a negative example, the fact that he went public and shared his dream actually did put in motion events that led to the fulfillment of the dream. And third, sharing the dream is an act of, it's an act of faith that invites God's power to be released in your life. God responds to faith. He'll answer prayers that we pray when we don't have much faith. But you can't read through the scriptures and not understand that God loves it when he sees faith. God responds to faith and sharing your dream, going public with your dream. It's an act of faith that invites God's power to be released in your life. And so I want to encourage you when you get your God-given dream to share it, to be willing to own it, embrace it, take risk for it, take initiative for its, toward its fulfillment and uh, realize that failure is going to always be a possibility, but you've got to embrace it and you've got to go after it. 
So once you've asked and received for your God-given dream, once you know how it fits with what God is doing in the world, once you've embraced it and committed yourself to it by sharing it, then we get to the importance of perseverance. Friends, it is just a fact that dreams do not get fulfilled easily. You you know, we sometimes look at people who... uh, acquire a dream, they see a dream in their life fulfilled, and from our vantage point, it looks like it was really easy for them. But if you talk to those people who actually walked the path from having the dream to seeing the dream fulfilled, their story is always that it was not easy. It might have looked easy to us who weren't in the struggle they were in, but they walked the path, they knew what it took, and they know it wasn't easy. There are always obstacles to overcome, There are always challenges to meet. There are always setbacks to deal with. Pursuing your dream for your life requires perseverance. You think of the story of Joseph. It included being sold into slavery by his brothers. Okay, I'm going to rule over my family. Oh, I'm a slave. It included being lied about by his master's wife and being thrown into prison because of her lie. Oh, really, Joseph? You're, you're going to rule over people? You're sitting in prison. It included being forgotten about in prison, left there to languish. But through every setback, every disappointment, every challenge, Joseph just kept being faithful. He just kept proving over and over again that no matter what happened, he would keep honoring God, he would keep doing the right things, and he would keep persevering until the dream was fulfilled. Both of the teams in the Super Bowl this year, I don't really like either one of them, but both of them uh, have faced challenges and obstacles this year that they overcame. New England was without their starting quarterback for four weeks. Two games into the season, they lost their backup quarterback. They were down to their third string quarterback for a couple of games. They lost the best tight end in the NFL for the season due to a back injury. At the midpoint of the season, the Falcons lost their best defensive back. They they both had challenges and setbacks that they had to overcome. Fulfilling a dream always requires perseverance. Those who allow setbacks and discouragements to cause them to give up on the dream will never see a dream fulfilled because there are always setbacks. There are always obstacles. There are always things that are discouraging when you set yourself toward a dream. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So you want to improve your life this year, dream big and persevere. Ask God to give you a dream for your life. Believe that he can accomplish the dream he gives you. Find out how it's tied to his work in the world. Embrace it. Be audacious about it. Go public with it. Share it. And then commit to persevere until it's fulfilled. If you know it's from God, you commit to persevere until it's fulfilled. Last year on this same Sunday, Super Sunday, I came to you with a five-year vision for our church, a dream of a preferred future for VCC. I went public with it. 
And here are the key points of that vision. It's not all of them, but some key points. It's a dream of sharing the gospel with thousands of people in the Tri-County area, Fairfield, Licking, Franklin, seeing hundreds of them come to faith in Jesus. It's a vision of a church where every member is trained and actively sharing their faith. It's a vision of a church where people are set free from destructive habits, hurts, and hang-ups. It's a vision of a church with 500 people gathering for worship every Sunday. It's a vision of baptizing 125 people in that time frame. And it's a vision of an expanded facility that better enables fellowship, ministry, and growth. So here's a report card on year one. We baptized 14 people this past year. We rejoice over those people. That's a wonderful thing, and that's a good number of people. It's good fruit, but we desire to see many more people get baptized. And if we're going to fulfill that vision, we need to see many more people baptized. We offered evangelism training, and about 30 of you took us up on it. That's good. But at that rate, it's going to take more than five years to get everybody trained. And so we have to do better at that this year. And we figured out some ways to do that. People are getting free from hurts, habits, and hangups, I believe. And a lot of that fruit is a result of the Celebrate Recovery Ministry, which is just a wonderful blessing for our congregation and the community. We've made progress toward our building expansion. And I'm hopeful that on March 5th at our congregational meeting, I'll be able to announce some firm plans for how we're moving forward. But great progress has been made there, and we're really close to realizing at least the first part of that dream. Now, about growing the church to 500 worshipers being here on Sundays, uh, it was an awful year. If, if, you, if you want truth, it, it was an awful year. I set the vision, shared the vision, Worked on training people in evangelism. And for the year, we saw a 14% decline in the average number of people coming here to worship on Sundays. Go evangelism. (laughs) People moved. A lot of people moved. A few people left because they didn't like something, which I know is stunning. Some left, and we could never entirely figure out why they left, but we were sort of suspicious. They didn't like the capital campaign, or they didn't like being told that we were actually going to try to hold people accountable for sharing their faith. But whatever, 14%. Fewer people came to worship here last year than the year before that. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that I am happy about that? Nope. Let me ask you another question. Does it change the vision? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Was it disappointing? Sure, it was disappointing. Was it a bit of a setback? Sure, it's a setback. Because now we have to grow by 14% to get back to the starting point. (laughs) So yeah, it was a setback. But no vision is ever fulfilled without perseverance. The vision remains the same. And here's what we'll do. We'll continue to be faithful to the vision until it is fulfilled or until Christ returns with us still trying to fulfill it. That's what we'll do. Because I'm convinced it's a God-given vision. It's a God-given dream. And you do not give up on God-given dreams. Here's the truth. Nothing is impossible with God. God works in mysterious ways, just like he did with Joseph. 
At every step of Joseph's story, it looks like Joseph is getting further and further from the realization of the dream. But what looked like setback after setback after setback, God was actually using to position Joseph for the fulfillment of the dream. And I trust in our situation, somehow, in some way that God knows and I don't know, that God is doing that same thing here. So we'll be faithful to persevere until we see the vision fulfilled. And once it is, then we'll ask God, what's the dream for the next season of our church? What's the vision you have for the next 5, 10, 15 years? So let's take it now from us together as Vineyard Christian Church, and let's take it down to each of you individually. How does God want you to respond today? What's God want you to do with this message? I, I think that he wants some of you to ask for his dream for your life. You've never actually done that. And he wants you to do that. For the very first time, he wants you to have a clear vision of what your life is supposed to be about. For some of you, I think that he wants to replace a dream that was yours but not his. He, he wants you to replace that with his dream for your life. And for some of you, he wants you to reclaim a dream that you laid down because discouragement got the best of you and you gave up on the dream before you should have. He wants to say to you, that dream you let go of years ago actually was for me and I want you to pick it up again. I think God wants some of you to go public with your dream. He's saying to some of you that now is the time to commit to it and make yourself accountable to it, be audacious about it, be willing to risk for it, even though the outcome isn't guaranteed. And I think God is saying to quite a few people here today that you need to persevere. You know what God's dream for your life is. You have been holding on to it, but you have been facing intense temptation to give up to let go of the dream. And God is saying to you, persevere. The dream is from me. Do not give up. Keep pursuing it. To improve your life this year, you need to dream big and you need to persevere when the going gets tough. Jacob Reese was an author and photographer at the end of the 19th and start of the 20th century. And uh, this quote comes from him, which I just think is excellent. Look at a stone cutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not the last blow that did it, but all that had gone before. Dream big and persevere in the dream. Let's stand.